you really Jack Gates? Of course I'm Jack Gates. Gee. That's funny. All my life, I've been Jack Gates. Robert Wagner! Gee, what are you doing in this part? You don't do daytime TV. <laughs> of course, the Sherwoods hired Robert Wagner. It's sweeps week. <laughs> yeah, Robert Wagner, wow! <laughs> People won't understand that one at all. Let's start with that. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. <laughs> it's been a while. We had a little uh, snafu with me and Justin's pod, so me and Dave are stepping in. We're doing one, and we're going to get all those people that tuned in for Justin. You're going to have to wait a week because something happened to our audio. Click. <laughs> oh, shit, this one died too? <laughs> no, I meant everybody clicked off. Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, no, we got a good movie to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, Delirious, uh, not the... Uh, Eddie Murphy one, even though I'm sure that's pretty interesting. I'm sure it ages really well, uh, <laughs> that Delirious pod, or uh, special that he did. But no, this is the 1991... I bet you it didn't. <laughs> no, it definitely didn't. This is the 1991 John Candy Delirious. But before we get to that, let's uh, do our little opening stuff, talk about movies we might have seen or uh, or watched throughout oh, the, the week. Have you watched a good movie? I saw Cocaine Bear. Oh, you watched Cocaine yeah. Bear? I didn't much care for it. I would have told you, did you, did you watch it on Peacock? Yeah. Watch Megan. Megan's the one. Justin's freaking out at home because he liked uh, Cocaine Bear, and so did uh, uh, Eric. So I'm not telling people not to watch I it. I didn't dislike it. Yeah. It, it was, was just the, the script was a little ridiculous to me. It, uh, it didn't resolve anything. There yeah. was no, and it was all, there was so much condition. There was so much script and directing problems that I had uh, with it that it, uh, that it really irked me. But I think maybe on, good. maybe on a bear second viewing, good. it would be, uh, be all right. But overall, you liked it? The bear looks good. Yeah. Uh, overall, you liked it, though. I, don't, I liked it. I liked the uh, Ray Liotta's son. Oh yeah, that's a kid who plays those three people. I like those three characters that I were do. together. One problem I had was how good of a relationship they end up forming with the kidnapped. Kid. I know. I was. I thought that was funny though, because uh, the other guy had just lost his girlfriend died or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was a he was he like found a friend in this guy they were kidnapping. The kid that plays the son was the kid who played Solo in the Harrison Ford. He played Han Solo. Oh, did he? In the Solo movie. Okay. He was really good. They got a lot of good actors for it, that's for sure. Uh, but check out Megan. Uh, it, it, they both seem to be pretty controversial of who likes which one and who doesn't, because Justin didn't like Megan, but he liked Cocaine Bear. I loved Megan, didn't like Cocaine Bear. I didn't hate it, but it was it was all right. Uh, Eric liked Cocaine Bear, so uh, everyone check it out. It's free. That's the beauty of it. And also, <laughs> here's a Peacock-related thing. They scrambled together and this was an example of something. I had seen a part of a documentary before about the guy that fell from the sky. Oh, the real one. They did do the real thing on there. I saw it. I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I saw it. I've seen there. that documentary before. Yeah. So what they did is they repurposed it, and it's the silliest thing ever. It, I would say watch it because it was interesting, but it had it, they bill it as about the bear, and the bear part was like three seconds long, yeah. but they just kept putting... They just kept doing tip backs to like he was flying over here at the same time the cocaine bear was becoming a, a, a larger bear and, and they'd show like pictures of six different bears like over uh, the, it was silly how they were really reaching and yeah. but the documentary about the smuggling was part was good. Well, I saw a bunch of good movies this week. Uh, one that made almost every one of my categories. There hasn't been I've been uh, dying for a fantastic one because I haven't had a fantastic one uh, make my list since all that jazz, which I, was like two months ago. And I was like, man. I said, I'm either very more particular now or just nothing has uh, popped. But I went to the movies uh, the other day, which is the first time I went to the movies in like two months. I haven't been to the movies in a while. Okay. And I went and saw Evil Dead Rise. Okay. Holy crap. Holy you like crap. It? it was the best horror movie I've seen in 10 years. It's the bloodiest horror movie I've seen in 10 years. It was very creative. Well done. It definitely made my fantastic list, and everyone loves it. It's one of those ones that uh, no one dislikes. It's very rare when you could go on to the horror community uh different uh, sites that I go on to and see a consensus. It wasn't, did you love it? Obviously, you loved it, but what did you love about it? And it was it was creepy. I don't know if you knew anything about it, uh, The Evil Dead Rise. I don't know. Um, it, it takes place, it, it's not in the woods anymore. It's uh, uh, Actually, it, it's bookended with something that happens at the woods, but the majority of it happens at the high-rise apartment. And the mother of three kids, his sister is, is just came to the apartment and everything, and, and the mother gets possessed in the elevator 
by the creature and then goes back to the apartment. So everything that happens in like the Evil Dead movies happens in the apartment and everything. But it was creepy, creepy, creepy. And the violence was insane. And they did not give a shit if there was a child or not. There was a little seven-year-old girl in this whole movie. And you were just worried for her the whole movie. You're That's like, what they were You're like, please, do not hurt the... Because they've already possessed the 13-year-old. Yeah. and the, So they obviously don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you got to be concerned about those movies that don't give a fuck because you, you really... I, I really wanted that little blonde girl to, to live and it was really well done. My God. And, I'm losing my taste over time for like blood and guts and re- real blood and guts. Yeah. Like mom's like that way too. I haven't got I, that I, way yet. I, this is, I've this lost is, my this is kind of ridiculous. Like, uh, but like with cocaine bear, most of it was done off screen. Like a leg fell from the tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just saw the leg fall from the tree and then you saw him fall. But uh-huh. you, just, you didn't see like flesh being torn off that off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they, they did that in a comical way. The, there's certain movies where they will do it super realistic, and yeah, I can see what like you're war saying movies are tough for, for war me movies, now. Like mom couldn't get through Heartbreak Ridge. They're tougher for me now than do, they do were. Do you ever get to see that? That's what you need. to Yeah, watch. I've seen it. Uh, I've the, seen every the war one movie. with the kid, uh, uh-huh. Hop Andrew Garfield, yeah. because I love that fucking one, man. I've seen every and war movie. Uh, mom had to stop that one. Uh, yeah, she gets through most of them, but that one was a difficult one apparently for. Her. But yeah, I mean, they're getting good into the point where maybe you, maybe it's because I'm getting older and death seems more of a reality yeah, now. I guess uh, I don't know. I'm not. Fe- I have no conscious fear, especially of, death. of a violent death like some of these things. But in the the bloody, like they brought, I think it was 1,700 gallons of blood they used for Evil Dead. So it was like one of those situations where okay. they're just dumping on people and yeah. everything. But it's awesome. See it in the theater. I, my biggest regret was I saw it at like 11 a.m. and I should have, and I had the day off. It was on a Friday. I should have went to the 8 p.m. showing because this is the type of movie you where want other people I, in the room. everyone is, I got stories of people running out of the theater because it is intense. It, it's, that's the one word people use for it is intense. Like people go in there once it starts. Once I wouldn't run out like of the theater. The, no, ever. there's like a twenty minute. <laughs> there's like a twenty minute opening where it where it's, you get to know the characters yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. And it, but once it starts, whoo, they don't give you time to breathe. It's just like bump, 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 bump. Is this person uh, uh, possessed? Is this person possessed? It's it's crazy. So yeah, definitely check that out. Um, now, what made my like dog shit list this week, and I want to save a couple of these ones I have on here for Eric. I'm recording a pod with my cousin this week, and we're going to do the uh, Sleepaway Camp uh, trilogy, which is going to be fun. But there's uh, the one, this, uh, a couple made my dog shit list. One I'll talk about now is, uh, do you remember 1987, number one with a bullet? It, it was all over Tubi, and I saw it was on my list of movies that I don't mm-hmm. own that might have been somewhat popular. It's a, it's a who it's a it? bullshit cop movie with uh, Billy D. Williams, who is fine in it, and uh, Robert Carradine, who is not fine in it. He Robert bad, Carradine is uh, bad Robert, acting. He's horrible, man. I what's who's that? He's, he, he's which one? He, he's he? the Revenge of the Nerds guy, oh, okay. the dark haired yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. He's horrible, man. Seeing him try to do that role, it's like, oh my god, this is painful. If you if you're just cruising through Tubi and you find number one with a bullet, put it on and watch five seconds of uh, Robert Carradine trying to act, man. Oh, good, it ruined it for me. I couldn't do it. Uh, but Did there you was watch, you didn't watch the whole thing, right? Uh, I ended up phasing out. I think I went out of the room to do some chores, and I came back, and the credits were already rolling. I was like, I didn't miss much there. But two movies that I really liked that made my very good list I'd like to uh, mention right now. One is me and my girl, uh, my wife, uh, watched that the other day, and it was called Freeway. Do you remember Freeway from 1996? It starred Kiefer Sutherland and mm. Reese Witherspoon. And this was Reese Witherspoon before election, yeah. so it was she was fairly young. And it was a take on The Big Bad Wolf. It was it was loosely based on the Big Bad Wolf, where she she ends up hitching she, a ride with uh, with Kiefer Sutherland and everything. But she turns out to be this like he's he's a pedophile and he was going to do horrible things to her. But before he got a chance to do it, she went butt wild on him. And didn't uh, they make that movie already with with the, she lured the dude to the cafe? Yeah, this is this would be totally different than that. This is like a wild, crazy, fun romp, but. It, the the black humor in it was like insanely funny, like she fucks Kiefer Sutherland up, and uh, she he ends up taking her to court, and he's his whole mouth is like wired open in this like weird kind of movement, and his eye is missing, and he's he's constantly drooling, and he's wiping drool from it, almost like the wolf would, uh-huh. and everything, and it, it's done in this weird way. And uh, who are you cheering? For? You're cheering for Reese through the whole thing because she okay. is hilarious. She has probably five or six one liners that. I, I would put as a clip at the end of my episodes. I told Christina they were so funny because uh, 
she laughs hysterically when he comes into the courtroom with his all stuff wired open and everything. He's like, God damn, you look like shit. He said, like, you got hit by the ugly stick. It's not, <laughs> and she just goes off on him and it pisses him off so much. And the, the movie just is wild, man. Check it. And it's available on uh, Tubi too. So if you come across a uh, freeway, I bought it on DVD because I've been hearing different things about it, but it, it's definitely worth a look. The other one, uh, I don't know if this was available on Tubi or not. It might be, but I bought it. No, I definitely watched it on a because I watched it streaming and liked it so much. I bought the DVD, and you might have seen this back in the day. Nineteen eighty four's The Pope of Greenwich Village. Have you seen that with Mickey Rourke? Long time ago. It's Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts. What year did it come? Uh, eighty four. Yeah, and I it, saw it a lot of low level. It's like a 80s. low level mob movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Polly from Rocky is the mob boss in it, but it's basically about uh, and Eric There's Roberts. A girl is, who's Who's the, there's a girl in it. Who is it? Uh, I, I think, think I there is see a, her on the cover. There is a girl on it. Oh, uh, Daryl Hannah. Okay. She's really good at it. I don't like Daryl Hannah and half the shit she does. She has to be cast correctly. Like, I like her in Blade Runner. I liked her in Kill Bill Volume 2. But there's a lot of, like, like Wall Street. Ugh, come on. She's weak in that, that movie. And I love that She's movie. Weak. But she is awesome in the Pope of Grand Village. I love her in Splash. She was all right. Splash. She had to be that kind of like I'm. I'm kind of don't know what the hell's going on, and she's good for that. Uh, but she was great in Pope of Greenwich Village. But uh, Eric Roberts was the star of this fucking thing. We really did him wrong as an actor, man. I don't know what the hell ever happened to him. Maybe, it, maybe it was uh, because that star eighty in this movie, and he was on the track to be one of our biggest stars, and he just kind of fell off and just did his own thing. I don't know if it was drugs or alcohol, or he just didn't give a shit. I mean, maybe he it, took. Maybe the he problem just, is he just. If it's you not like he take, stopped acting. If you take a bunch of low-level roles, yeah. you're going to become a joke. He's eventually. really, really good in this I mean, movie. look at Bruce Willis. Yeah. They, he, before people knew what was wrong with him, they yeah. were giving him such a hard time oh, from, yeah, yeah. from doing a bunch of trashy Well, movies. now they know why. They know why now. And now they all feel like shit. Yeah. I don't think we ever trashed him. Maybe we did. <laughs> I don't think I've ever trashed I, I'm him. I'm sure there's maybe a, a, a clip where uh, we, we talked about, oh, hey, on Redbox, you can buy all the well, here's the Bruce thing. Bruce Willis movies. I never watched any of those. No, I didn't either. So I, I wa- he was always in movies that I knew yeah. were going to be good movies, yeah. and I've watched those ones. Yeah, I mean, I was losing interest in some of his stuff around like the Bandit and Whole Nine Yards type of era. Anyways, uh, most of my favorite Bruce Willis movies before that. But, anyways, on the Pope of Greenwich Village, it's basically two cousins: Mickey Rourke, Eric Roberts, and Eric Roberts is a fuck up, and he just fucks up with the mob, and he has this deal he's gonna rob a whole bunch of uh he gets the old guy from uh i don't know if you remember the original dune he was the really big fat guy that was floating in the air and had shit um coming out of his mouth that looked like oil he's he's a huge character actor people mistake him for charles durning all the time he looks a lot like charles durning and you've definitely seen him in movies probably better movies that i can tell you was from but i can't think of one uh He's an old safe cracker. So they get him and uh, they say, hey, we break into this safe in this one building. It's abandoned, but they, they use this building to uh, for the payroll or something. We're going to break into it. And he goes in. There's $50,000 in there. They, they get in there and there's $350,000 in there and not realizing it, it's the mob's money. And they just took all the fucking mob's money and it's put a bullet or a, like a tag on all their backs and everything. And, and the last third of the movie is this, them trying to get away with it. And Eric Roberts being a fuck up. Like watching it, you're, you're like you're talking about it. Wait, you're like, I know Eric Roberts is going to fuck this thing up how is eric roberts going to fuck this thing up because he's a wild guy the only man. way you can get away with something like that is to throw a dart at a map yeah. and move to that place there's a great scene in it where he's at the bar and it's it's a it's a new york movie obviously but it also has very uh boston type feels to it and he's at the bar drinking in uh Someone is t- a cop is ticketing his car out front, and everything. And the bartender's like, "You're too late." And he says he comes there every day after he d- tickets everyone on the goddamn street, and he drinks whiskey for free, and he blows up my bathroom. And so Eric Roberts wants to fuck with him, so he puts something in his whiskey. He sees him outside the next day, and he uh-huh. comes in. And he, the bartender pours him his whiskey, and he pours it in. And he's like, "What the hell's that?" He says, "You're not gonna kill him." He says, "No, I'm not gonna kill him. Don't worry about it." And it's just it's just gonna give him the shits, and. uh next you see him ticketing people after he takes a shot and is rude to everyone in the bar and he goes out there and you can see it on his face. You can see it on his face that his stomach's messing with him and he can't get out in time and so he just shits his pants in the street and Eric Roberts is running around. He called the police. He's like, there's an officer before it happened. He's like, officer needs assistance on like 5th Street. So they all show up at the same time he shits his pants and Eric Roberts Mm. is running around in the street. A cop shit his pants. Cop shit his pants. (laughs) So funny. Uh, Eric Roberts was a was a riot so uh so yeah that's what kind of made my list this week uh good stuff but delirious 
This was one that was always one of the later John Candy movies that was so creative and just fun. That was just really great to watch. Why don't you give us a little kind of synopsis before I go through the cast and the crew about? And it's a pretty simple kind of premise. I mean, he's a he's a he's a soap opera writer, mm-hmm. and he gets he, he gets knocked out mm-hmm. and wakes up. In the town that he created for the soap opera, yeah, it's basically like if he was writing General Hospital, he wakes up in, in General Hospital. in General Hospital land with and all everything. the characters that but, he wrote, yeah, and knows every, intimate things about. But the beauty of it is he can now write while he's there, oh, yeah. and people will will do whatever he has written them to do, and especially <laughs> people that there was one of the actresses that he fell go in to love Cleveland. with. Damn. <laughs> yeah. so great cameos in this too. So yeah, and it was beautifully done. I mean. They must have had soap opera writers come in and yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about the writers they had on here and uh, everything on here. So it was you could definitely tell that whoever was involved with it knew that universe quite a, quite a bit and liked it. And really, John Candy kind of sells it as being fun. But there's a lot of great actors in this that really kind of get the uh, the humor. I mean, it involved. had almost like a feel of Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah, it did. It definitely had a Groundhog Day feel. He could make himself into whoever he wanted to be. I, that's actually a perfect example because I thought Groundhog Day several times during the movie when I was watching it uh so just go through the cast a little bit so we've got uh obviously john candy we have known from several movies i think i only put on here what he did after delirious which is an interesting uh take on this because obviously we know what john candy's done all the like 20 movies that he was great in and uncle buck and Brewster's millions was probably one of my Brewster's millions one of my favorites uh I, i loved all his early stuff splash volunteers me and dave are always big volunteer fans uh is he the user site? Tom the Tuttle, Tacoma, Washington. The, the Communist Creed. <laughs> yeah. He says, I will never change. And then the next <laughs> shot, he's like <laughs> reading the manifesto. Yeah. So after Delirious, he still did. Uh, so he right before Delirious, he did Only the Lonely, which is a unsung gem that people, yeah. it's very hard to find. Very hard to find. I don't know anyone that plays it, and I'm not even sure they you so can his find mother's the trying to get him a date. Uh, yeah, his mother, man. DVDs are going to be a a friggin' uh, thing that's sought out soon after. Uh, Warner Brothers not making DVDs anymore. It stopped. They said, we're not making them anymore. They're going to be streaming on HBO. That's where you want to see them. I mean... There's like four movies that are out that I cannot... I would never uh, put a get. movie out on DVD ever again if I was oh, in but charge of Blu-rays like and that. special features I and mean, commentaries. People... Uh, I think that's going to come back. I think people are going to realize, holy crap, the we physical media is a thing. Because... The people, the kids nowadays, they think differently about everything. Yeah, but it's our age people in, in the generation right past. below us. Yeah, but they're still, even our parents' generation is still around. So as it's, long as there's enough people out there that give it care, uh, I'm I'm a fan of easy access. Yep, I want in less space, so digital is perfect for me. Yeah, perfect. No, it, it works well, and there's some stuff I definitely will watch on digital, even though I have a hard copy of it. But if I have it on 4K and I have special editions, it, it it's all about the presentation and what the extras are, because that's what they can offer that's not offered through streaming. Yeah. So companies like Criterion and Shout Factory to, and all those, they have to sell a lot of those. Oh make, yeah, make money. Yeah, they make a, quite a bit. That Criterion and Shout Factory are huge companies, but there's and there's smaller ones that are coming up like Arrow and then uh, there's another one that's uh, Neon. Is putting out a bunch of stuff. But anyway, so once he did Only the Lonely, then he did this, he did Delirious, and then he did JFK, Once Upon a Crime. Very kind of forgettable. You want it to be awesome, but it really isn't. Uh, Rookie of the Year, which was fun. Cool Runnings was great, but that's when we were like, oh shit, John Candy's back doing stuff. I just saw Rookie of the Year, like... Yeah, it's good. Three weeks ago. Uh, Wagons East and uh, Canadian Bacon. I loved Canadian Bacon. A lot of people don't. He died after that. He, well, technically... He died uh, right after Wagon's East. I think Wagon's East dropped later. Uh, right after Wagon's East, I think he died. Uh, Meryl Hemingway was great in this. She was another person. Weird enough that I compare her to like... Did weird happen to her? She died young? No, she's still alive. She's still alive. Okay. Maybe her sister. Her sister's famous too. I'm not sure. But she had the same thing like Eric Roberts, you know? You're like, she was great back in the day. What the hell happened to her? Because she, And which is weird because she was in that Star 80 with Eric Roberts. But so you've got... She was in Manhattan, Star 80... See, this is where it goes bad. You know, she's in Superman 4. <laughs> I tell you what, the, not, and not to jump, I won't give details, but it's jumping. But when she switches at the end, yeah. she was awesome in that second part. Like, caught you totally by surprise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was awesome in Star 80. You got to rewatch yeah. that, man. Uh, she was also in The Contender. Uh, was Which the Contender? Was the I contender? think that's the Joan Allen kind of like uh, 
government movie, if I'm not uh, mm. correct. So Emma Sams is the really pretty brunette in this. That kind she's of the one from uh, 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 Jim well, Carrey movie. No, she's all she's done is Dynasty and General Hospital. So she might have been oh, one of the, she, she might have been one a, of the uh, people that helped them get the authenticity oh, yeah. correct on this, because she looked just like. Susan Lucci. I was like, oh, this is supposed to be the Susan Lucci type. And this is the woman that John Candy really liked in the movie. <laughs> she she wanted a refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. Like, like one of the chefs. Jesus Christ, Laura. And she had one like yogurt in it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has this massive one. Uh, so, and what was great about it, because once he gets in there, you get to see this huge family of like rich pricks in this movie. And she's one of them. And uh, Raymond Burr is like got to be one of the last few things he did. Yep. Uh, so movies people might know Raymond Burr from, uh, if you're not really kind of a cinephile out there, is uh, Rear Window, Godzilla, Airplane 2, uh, Delirious. And then obviously his two big things were Perry Mason and Perry Ironside. Mason. And well, Ironside, just as many episodes. I think yeah. Perry Mason was first and they did like 300 episodes. And then later in the late 80s, he came back with Ironside, which was the same character. And uh, he did another he, two he episodes. Looks a lot like Orson Welles. He really does. Not Orson Welles when he was young. Yeah. <laughs> Orson Welles when he was young, man. He looks really fit. So there's He uh, was really good in this movie. Oh yeah. Everybody I, was everybody. Top, everybody was tie, really good. The the unsung hero was the guy from Shaun of the Dead. The uh, dad from Shaun of the Dead. Oh, you mean uh, not Shaun of the Dead, you mean Fido. Fido. That's, but that's also yeah. the guy from Happiness. Uh Dylan. Yeah, uh, I know, yeah. I know. Dylan Baker, he's <laughs> was, awesome. Uh well, the guy who played Ty died young. Do I have on here how he died? He died really young. I might have to look Just him up. Just skiing accident? I think it was either suicide or something. People uh, killed themselves in the 90s? Yeah, let me look this up real quick. had to be in a grunge quick band. <laughs> let me look this up real quick. So he was the guy, uh, Chris Ro- uh, Charles Rocket is his name. That's a crazy name. That's got to be a stage name. There's no <laughs> I'm way. I'm Chip. And yeah. His nickname's Chip. I'm Chip Rocket. <laughs> Yeah, that's. It seems like it's. It's got to be that's made up here. Name. So let me look up Ty uh, or Charles Rocket. Here it is. Charles right here. Rocket. And he, because he died at fifty six. Okay, that's not too young. He lived a good twenty years. It was after suicide. This he was did it? die. Yeah, he died of suicide. That's a shame. Uh, yeah, but he was amazing. This and people might know him from. He was in Fraternity Vacation, Earth Girls Are Easy, How I Got Into College, Dance with the Wolves. He played one of the military guys. Hocus Pocus, Wagons East, and Dumb and Dumber. Uh, yeah, he played one of the the shitty family members in Dumb and Dumber, which are very similar to the shitty family members in this. Uh, like we said, Dylan Baker, who really did make it, he was the guy that was completely falling apart through the whole movie. Uh, yeah. So he was in Delirious. Uh, Delirious was one of his first movies, actually. But then he did Passed Away, which I love. No one knows about. It's kind of like Death at a Funeral, yeah. but it starred like uh, Nancy Travis and the guy from uh, CSI. Uh, it was really good. He was in Last of the Mohicans. He was in Disclosure, Happiness, Requiem for a Dream, The Cell. 13 Days, he played Robert McNamara. Yep, he was great. Really good in that. Uh, Along Came a Spider, Road to Perdition, Spider-Man 2, Fido, and Trick or Treat. Uh, he always just... He, he plays so many different characters. Sometimes he plays a scumbag. Times, sometimes he plays just like a pencil-pushing kind of an accountant because he has that yeah. look to him. The but, scene when he, in Fido when he, the kid's in the car and he's... And he's Said it's a you're becoming a man now. He's turning thirteen. Yeah. So it's, I, I knew it was time. That I, I had to give this to you. And he hands him a box of present. And he opens it up, and it's a handgun. He's yeah, getting yeah. ready to go to school, oh, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, thanks." And he's <laughs> taking his handgun with him, and his dad's like, "Hey, don't forget the bullets." Yeah. <laughs> Fido's <laughs> awesome. You haven't seen Fido. Oh, Fido's one of those gems that you you will d- dismiss just Who seeing saw the cover. It, it was um, what's uh, his name? Jamie, Jamie yep. Miller. Jamie Miller saw it and recommended it. He said he got it in like a dollar bin or something. Yeah. And he said it was awesome and we watched it and we all loved it. That was great. Uh, yeah, Dylan Baker had a similar uh, scene in Happiness when yeah. he talked to his, his 13-year-old son. Yeah. Uh, we'll leave that for I anyone else. I haven't seen that movie. Uh, I can't see that movie. Yeah, it's... Just the subject matter. Yeah, the subject matter is weird. It's too weird. It, it was a weird movie to make a comedy out of. It was, it was weird. It was weird. It was uncomfortable. Like, I even weird. get weirded out when I see like um, it wasn't taken when I see serious. interview with a vampire and I see them sexualizing yeah what's her name uh Kirsten Dunst Kirsten Dunst that would oh, sure. weird to well watch. don't watch the new uh <laughs> Shields documentary that's on oh Hulu, yeah <laughs> where they're sexualizing an 11 year old and she talks all about it man I, I we didn't watch it but we did watch I didn't put it on my list I should have there was a movie called Kid 90 uh in it Celine Moon Fry who's Punky Brewster mm-hmm. when she was young she filmed everything Everything had a camera in her hand 
at all times. Oh, but so she's got it, some... it was great. And most of it was fun. It was like her hanging out with Johnny Depp, her hanging out with Sarah Gilbert, uh, a lot. Her relationship with. Uh, with Jonathan Brandes before he died. And she was friends with a lot of those guys that died. So it was very interesting to watch just the hidden video. Not many people got angry at her, but it did make it look weird for like Charlie Sheen. She talked about she lost her virginity to Charlie Sheen. Yeah. And they're playing like, they're playing recording messages of Charlie Sheen trying to like, uh, Convince her to no, just get on, go out with her and hang out with her and everything. And it just seemed how old creepy. was she? She wasn't eighteen yet. So he on her eighteenth birthday, she called Charlie Sheen and lost her virginity to him. And it, it was it's a crazy story, man. It's funny, but yeah, it's crazy. He's someone. I I read something that he's coming back to do some stuff. Uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, is. I don't know, man. He's got a lot. He's over his target blood. Uh, one of my favorite people in this was uh, Sledgehammer. You know, from the eighties uh, cop show sledgehammer which was a take on remember that it was a funny version of hunter which he, character he was, was he the main this? uh he was the main doctor that uh they convinced to like poison dylan baker oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. he's really good he, yeah. he's ultimate he was great in burn after reading yeah he's like you don't know why i went to rio <laughs> he said there's no extradition from rio it was great that scene that at the end with him and yeah. uh, she's and asking for ninety thousand dollars worth of plastic <laughs> yeah. surgery yeah. Well, well, give it to her give it to her <laughs> Uh, so yeah David Roush played the, he was in Cobra and Innocent Man he was a scumbag he was one of the cops that went into Tom Selleck's house and shot him and then covered it up yeah. and everything and then tortured him kind of like when he got out of prison it's like not bad enough that you got this innocent man in prison you're gonna you're gonna fuck with him when he gets out uh, he got his in that movie and I loved it uh, he was in United 93 Flags of the Father Burn After Reading uh, Men in Black 3 uh, Swallow oh my god you're listening to this you haven't seen Swallow yet that's the one where the woman is uh addicted to swallowing objects oh. starts with marbles and then moves uh-huh. to tacks and then moves to like needles and shit it, it's insane I couldn't watch that movie it's good it's really good it's more about the mental illness of what made her start doing it it wasn't done in a cr- gross kind of creepy way it was really great it was more about the uh the family members that she's uh, marrying into and this guy David Roush played the judgmental father in it oh it was such a good movie I loved it uh, and finally we got uh, the two people that played the writers in the movie the fa- uh, no, one's one yeah, that we don't see until boy. the very end but uh, the other two main writers one's Jerry Orbach yeah. who's awesome he plays the Sherwoods uh, he plays the, the husband in the Sherwood uh, and obviously he's from the Sentinel Prince of the City Brewster's Millions uh, FX uh, Dirty Dancing he put baby in a corner uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors Out for Justice Toy Soldiers Delirious Beauty and the Beast I was telling Justin uh, it might have been lost on the lost pod that we recorded but uh Jerry Orbach's the voice, one of the singing voices in Beauty and the Beast. He has a beautiful opera voice, Jerry Orbach. It's crazy. He's a huge singer. He uh, donated his, eye, his eyes. Did he? That's there's, interesting. There's two New Yorkers walking around. One has, each have Jerry Orbach's eyes. eyes. Now, that's a fucking story, man. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I'm looking at you. See that Bruce he, was the one that, he was the one that got all the one-liners from special victims unit was he in special oh, really no the first one he was in the very first law, what and, order. law, law and order just law and order he was always the one that would yeah. show up at the crime scene and the guy would say oh he was out for a jog and he's like well that's the last step that person yeah <laughs> but he, he every show he was the one he that has one the, of those little quips yeah i love it uh and his wife in this movie the other uh female oh, writer she's great. she was from the nanny most people know her from the nanny she's i think she plays she had an, Fran, the most annoying voice yeah, you could i think ever she plays imagine. fran drescher's mom in the nanny so hey, she's in like a hundred can you imagine Having those two voices oh, yeah. no, she's in the same room together? She's also in The Producers. She must have been young in The Producers. I'm not sure who she was in The Producers. Uh, so the crew of this, now the director is very well skilled, and that's the, mo- the reason the movie works so well. Uh, Tom Makovitz, uh, who did a lot of producing too, but as far as directing, he directed... Uh, well, no, I think more so he was a writer, and that's why this kind of worked uh, for him. I have a feeling because a lot of complicated the shots. other two writers on this movie, I have nothing next to their names because they haven't done shit other than TV. And it's, and it's, so let me skip the director and just go to the writers first because there's nothing to say about them. Lawrence J. Cohen and Fred Freeman were the writers. But since John Mankiewicz was the director, I guarantee he rewrote this fucking script because he's... The only movie he movies he directed was Dragnet and Delirious, both great comedies. But the movies he wrote for, he wrote, and he wrote a lot of uh, James Bond movies. So he wrote Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, 
Man with the Golden Gun, Mother Jugs and Speed, which is a huge 70s movie that I keep hearing about that I need to watch. Uh, I think Richard Pryor or maybe Bill Cosby's in it. It's supposed to be good. He also wrote The Eagle Has Landed. He wrote the original Richard Donner Superman. He wrote Lady Hawk, and he wrote Dragnet. So he definitely knows his way around the keyboard, and he does a good job of this. Like you said, this is kind of complicated. Any of these movies where you have that special kind of gimmicky thing going on and you have to follow certain rules, you kind of, uh, I mean, I'm sure you create some issues. I'm sure you could pick this movie apart if you really well, went through it, but yeah, but you're not going into. But it the that beauty hard. of that type of movie is anything can happen. Yeah, it, it's true, and, and yeah, I mean they don't go too far overboard with the stuff. I, I love when he gets, and we'll talk about it when we get to it. it but I mean, it's it's a simple when he it, gets drunk. That's that's all you have to yeah, write in. But I mean, it was like the it would have been a great soap opera. Yeah, because it had the evil family. Then it had yeah. This could have been a miniseries. The daughter that had the formula that the evil yeah. family wanted to get more rich. That's a brilliant idea, actually, to redo this movie but not remake it as a movie. Remake it as a series. You could do several seasons off this gimmick and how he's trying to right the wrongs and how his writing really affects things in a bad way. You could do some serious and some comedic stuff with it. So it's interesting. So the cinematographer on this is Robert M. Stevens, who's done a bunch of good stuff, tons of comedy. So they just put some of the best comedy people's They had a lot of big shots in this because, movie, over big overhead shots yeah, of big sets. Robert Stevens was... Uh, he did all the Naked Gun movies, and which are all three are good. If you rewatch Naked Gun one and Naked Gun two, they both hold up like gangbusters. Especially two. People think there was a big fall off with two and a half. It really wasn't. The fall off was with Naked Gun thirty three and a third, and still had its it funny jokes on right. it. But Naked Gun two and a half really holds up. So he was the cinematographer on Naked Gun, uh, all three of them. He was the cinematographer on The Burbs, which was a very well shot. Now, see movie. the Burbs That's a, had this feel. Yeah, it's like, a great the lighting shot and everything. Movie. Like, the Burbs looks great. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, he also it must was... must have been so much fun because they just closed uh, this block down and yeah. they didn't go almost it's, anywhere. It's probably a, a, on a, a movie, back soundstage, backlot, yeah. yeah. So uh, he also did the cinematographer for Serial Mom, The Man Who Knew Too Little, Pecker, Cecil B. Demented. So he went on to do some John Waters films afterwards. So he looks like he worked with the Abram brothers, then he went and worked with Joe Dante, then he worked with uh, John Waters. It's interesting where people will kind of, Seems who, like who they hook their cart with, you know? Like, he worked with Waters at know. the end of his career? Yeah, but Waters was always pretty well respected, even, even though he does kind of some weird. schlocky stuff. But uh, I like I love Cecil B. Demented, and uh, my uh, wife loves Pecker. I'm not sure I've even seen it. It's in my list of ones to watch. Uh, the composer, the same uh, is Cliff Edelman. He did the score for uh, Delirious, Star Trek VI, Leap of Faith, The Meteor Man, and My Girl Two. Some, some smaller Trek, list. They don't give the Star Trek job to anybody. Yeah, uh, it's composer for it's sure. It's a composer, and that's the, if you land the Star Trek, that means you've done something. Star Trek VI was the undiscovered country, which is really really good because you kind of have to go with that that same theme that they always go with, but, but you have, you to, have do to weave different. it into into yeah. a different. Universe. Like I said James Horner's score for Star Trek Two is one of the best scores ever made. I love it. Absolutely great. He was perfect for that. So some of the details about it was released August 9th, 1991. So it was a summer movie. Filming locations were in California and New York. The budget, this is where problems came up. The budget was eighteen million dollars. Worldwide grossed five point five million. Ooh. That's bad. I'm not. I'm That's not bad. sure why that was. I mean, there were some really good movies made around that time. Maybe just what year know, was this again? Ninety one. So it, there's no reason it shouldn't have with a John Candy kind of thing like this. I mean, he was coming off Only the Lonely, which is a little bit more serious. But, I mean, come on. This is still – this found its audience on HBO, yeah. though, big time. Not much – uh, when, I, when I hear that a box off, office missed, yeah. I don't read much. No. It, unless I'm, it's $100 million. Yeah. They they made their money off in other ways, I'm sure. But trivia-wise, there's not many. But the, the final trivia, it's only two. And the second one is something I put on specifically because I thought you'd find it interesting. Uh, the first trivia where uh, there's a brief cameo with Margot Kidder at the beginning of the movie. Just randomly, Margot Kidder is in the bathroom with Meryl Hemingway. And I we think that the only reason that has been done because of the Superman, uh, Superman 4 connection. Because they were kind of rivals for Clark in Superman 4 and so it was interesting it must have been done around somewhat the same time to bring Margot Kidder in this to do this like I think she had three lines in the bathroom and then I don't even remember sorry again to be honest yeah probably didn't you could have missed her if you turned your head so the Ferrari in this movie I'm going to talk about this Ferrari do you know anything about this Ferrari? That Ferrari that they put up for auction? um, Uh, It's not the one I like yeah but here's the details about it so the Ferrari was a replica 
250 GTO. That was the name of the Ferrari. Mm-hmm. It's a 250 GTO. But it was a replica made from the Datsun 240Z yeah. by the same company that made all the Ferraris for Miami Vice TV show. Uh, but in 2018, a real Ferrari... 250 GTO was sold for $72 million. They're rare. So only 60 of them were made. And if you were a buyer, you were required to be personally approved by Enzo Ferrari himself. That's the only way you got one of these Ferraris, and there was only 60 of them made. How crazy. That's why it went for $72 million. Those uh, four GTs, the ones that sell for like $300,000? No, I've never seen those. It's, Is it it, new, it's they're a, newer ones? Or? They're, they make one every year, but yeah. they don't, well, they make... Like a hundred for celebrities, basically, and you have to be on a waiting list. Yep. And uh, I think John Cena or somebody bought one, and you're not allowed to sell it for X amount of years. Oh, interesting. And he turned right around and sold it, and they Ooh. sued the shit out. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Like it was he, him, or one of the other meatheads. Yeah, but <laughs> we don't mean that, John Cena. John Cena's the shit, man. I love John Cena. <laughs> the car, they're beautiful cars. They were, they're kind of made off of their track cars. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's no reason. I mean, I, I don't mind these kit cars that are made from another one. The Datsun 240Z is a good car in itself. It's, it's, it's kind of a. Maria uh, loves that car. Yeah, it's that a great and car. The Supra. Isn't that the car from 30 Minutes or Less that he's driving? I don't know. I'd have. I, you I mean, know the you 30 recognize Minutes or Less one. movie? No. Uh, that's the one where the, uh, Danny McBride straps the. Yeah, with yeah, the yeah, gorilla yeah, yeah. Uh, mask and he straps the thing to it and he steals. Jesse Eisenberg steals the car from his neighbor's garage with. Uh, and Z Sanzari, and I'm pretty sure it's a Datsun. I'm, I'm, might, the number might be wrong. It might not be. There's one that in the duck pond. I know that when we'd walk through the duck pond, it's parked on a certain street. We'd wow. always go past it. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's the that's the the interesting stuff about that Ferrari, which was a great scene in the movie. So yeah, at the very beginning of the movie, we're we're just basically establishing the fact that John Candy is the head writer for this kind of. Uh, and there's a lot of power struggles. Yeah, between which, other writers, between the actors, it sounds miserable. I, I think when I was watching, I turned to my wife and I say, "This is a reason I would never want to work in a writing room. It's nothing but arguing your point yeah. all day long yeah. and for making people, yourself relevant. Yeah, making yourself relevant, and you got one little line in there, or just being pissed off when they cut. I would it. be good at it. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't want to play this politics. No, I wouldn't shit. want to either. Uh, the more I hear about the business, the business is shit, dude. And uh, and the. It's also the the nepotism or the uh, I've worked with you before is the only thing that carries you through yeah. the business. It's if a, a new aspiring person that comes out there, unless you're like nailing it in other places, you're not even. Gonna That's get when your I shit he- read. when I hear like actors get fairly big and then they start their own studio, yeah, to do their projects. Oh like yeah, Adam Sands of the world because they want they don't want that other part anymore yeah no adam sinley does it right and well adam sinley now is stepping out to do some some decent flicks here and there but he was fine just making movies with i still friends. want to see the one with the basketball i loved it so good you'd love again? hustle hustle watch it dude it's so good it's uh it's one of those perfect sports movies when you're watching it you're like god damn it i love sports movies you know it's one <laughs> of those movies that you say that to yourself because it's like watching miracle or rudy you're like god damn it these are good movies they just know how to do these movies right and if you're a sports fan anyways you're gonna like it it's really good i probably i don't tear up for anything sports than, movies a good choke sports me up. movie yeah, will choke, will choke me, me up, up. yeah Good sports movies and a good trailer, if the music hits right, yeah. will do it to me. Like the new Flash trailer, I didn't expect it. The new Flash trailer played, and when they showed Michael Keaton, I was fine. And then they played the Tim Burton score uh, right as he's moving along in the street and everything. And I, I feel it in my throat, and I was like, oh, God, I'm getting choked up over the Tim Burton music. I said, they can do it with me with music. Music is a killer. Uh, if they do I remember things right. choked up. Only non-movies I'd get choked up. I remember getting choked up at the end of Space Camp with Kelly Preston. Like, yeah, it's always movies that you don't expect to get yeah. choked up during. Kelly Preston's <laughs> like, we all did it. Yeah. Like when someone said, we I, did it. I almost I came fully it. to tears explaining Forrest Gump to my wife one day. Really? <laughs> like very close to. I was. It was fresh. Off I was your... verbally choked up when I was talking about how the, the whole scene at the end where Jenny comes back and she's got AIDS and everything. And uh, oh, we think we don't know. Yeah, we don't. Spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> Fuck that up. All right. So anyways, we're establishing at the beginning the kind of power struggles, and he's always fighting with Jerry Orbach and everything, but he's also got a like uh, a big crush on the Laura character, the, uh, the woman that plays Laura, which is interesting. At the beginning of the movie, we get to see the actors playing these mm-hmm. characters, but once he goes into that world, it's straight. She's manipulative. As, as out of character, out of character, not in, as bad, not as cutthroat as she as is, because she's part of that family yeah. when she's in the thing. So I mean, she, 
literally tries to kill off her brother. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, as the actor, her and John Kane are about to go on, like, a retreat weekend together. And he just, he is it he hits himself in the head with the trunk? Is that what happens? Uh, or is it he hits his head he, when he falls backwards? No, he hit, hits himself in the, with the trunk, in, in the trunk and then falls, and then falls back. backwards. And then when he wakes up, we see him... On the studio where we just saw the scene being shot and they're at look, the hospital, and the doctors are looking at him, yeah. and but he knows them as the actors, yeah. So they, and, they're like diagnosing him and shit. Yeah. He's he's like pushing them away. What the hell are you talking about and everything? And then soon he realizes, holy shit, I am in my script. Yeah, uh, and doesn't take long from the start it of the movie to get there, which is good. I, that's the minutes, kind of the way to do it six, too. Eight minutes maybe. And then we kind of branch off from John Candy so we can see this fucked up family, which is really good. It, it is reminiscent to that Dumb and Dumber family uh, that was kind of... I mean, I think... The, so the, I, the great element that I liked is the guy from Fido. Yeah. He was like the eldest son that the dad listened to. Dylan Baker, yeah. He, like Raymond Burr listened to every word he said. Yeah. And the other guy, Ty, was like the ambitious one. And daddy, I did this. And then he turns, well, what's us see what Blake... Blake knows yeah, about I just it. said but the same daddy, thing. I did it. <laughs> like that yeah, happens so the, much time during the movie. You can see how pissed that character gets for sure. It reminds me of how that Succession show is on HBO. I, I haven't that. watched. I've only watched like one episode, but I know enough about it that it's like it's like it's exactly this family. That's a rich ass family run by Brian Cox and uh, Kieran Culkin's one of the fa- uh, the the brothers, and it's all the brothers who are turning on each other. To, Arch, they the all show want the Archie company. was. Uh, the Archie show. Archie? What's Archie? Um, with Jughead and... Oh, oh, like literally Archie. Yeah. <laughs> There's a show on it? Oh, the Riverdale one? Riverdale. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's powerful families. Powerful families. It's weird I never watched it. I think it's genius. It's very dark. I think it's, it's genius a, it's that they did It's super dark. It. Yeah. It's, there's gangs and shootings. And you, you have to go crazy with that. Like, they did a comic called Afterlife with Archie where it was The Walking Dead. We own Dead. some still, don't uh, we? Yeah, we have, I think, one of them. Uh, it, they made the Archie world into the walking dead. And it's really the only thing you can do with when something is that sugary sweet as that fucking yeah. show was. It's like trying to redo. Well, that's well, what when that Winnie the Pooh horror movie. Oh yeah. It's out. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's, I out. heard it was crazy. I think it's on uh, Amazon prime. Maybe I'll have to check it out. Is yeah. that because the, the, it went into imminent domain. Oh I no, think, I don't think so. I think they just, certain things aren't going to I think the theaters it, anymore. I think imminent domain had something to do with it. Maybe and people got mad at it. Like huh. it, their license ran out to be able to. Do oh, that character. oh, you're saying that's how he when was, he was able to do that's it. That's how he was oh, able okay, to do okay, it. Okay, okay, yeah, that's very possible for sure. There's a lot of those eminent domains. Like you can go, you can put Night of the Living Dead clips in your, in fucking, your movie, in yeah. your movies, and it shows up in a lot of movies because yeah. it's oh, free. Yeah. Every time you watch a horror movie and they're and you and you hear they're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah. You know they wanted to cut corners on yeah, that shit. Uh-huh. I'm fine with it, but yeah, that's what it is. My girl mm-hmm. catches a lot of. She listens to a lot of the YouTube stuff, and they have those eminent domain like jingles in the background, okay. and, she, and she can spot them like like that now because she watches enough YouTube. She's like, oh, this is one of those uh, conjunction junction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure, folks. <laughs> No, not even that uh, thing. It's just like, uh, you know, those jingles you pay for it for the background music when they oh, show okay. different stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, that power struggle is perfect. Like I said, it's very kind of like succession-like. But uh, and is there another member of the family? It's just the two brothers and the daughter are part of the family. The Raymond, and and the Raymond Burr is, Raymond the, Burr is, is the, dad. the dad. And John Candy wrote in earlier that... He, he had to stay close to the house because he was waiting for his cable to get fixed. Yeah, that's right. Remember, that's right. I got so bars on six and nine. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the movie, too, it had that yeah, guy from uh, uh, Seven, you yeah. know, that got him the library list. He oh, was yeah, the guy yeah, that yeah, played yeah. Stinky the, uh, Man. Yeah, Stinky Man. He's the one who played the cable guy. Do you want HBO? I can give it for you. 50 bucks. Yeah, give it all to me. Give, yeah. give, give it to me all. <laughs> Love it. Uh, but what I like about this is. While he's in this town, some things start happening that he didn't write, and he knows that. Oh my God, that the, the Shermans or the Fetterman. It's weird because I assumed when I was watching the movie that he's talking about Jerry Orbach and the girl, but he's not. He's talking There's about a, he's talking about another writer that we don't even see until he, the end. He mentioned him real quick in the beginning. Yeah, I, I, he, it was a freelancer. Have, he's like, at least we're not using that freelancer Fetterman or something. Yeah, they should have. He's shown always him. using amnesia or something. That was my only problem with the movie. They should have shown they him because they showed the, him at the end. At the end, when he punched him out, yeah, but didn't people didn't know who, who the fuck it was. But you heard his name, yeah. Fetterman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would have rather have him. I got it. it I would have rather him had that argument. With the uh, Jerry Orbach character, because we had a whole scene with them. We yeah. knew they were pissed at him and wanted to do things their way. So, uh, but it was great. <laughs> she was so. choking. Remember the yeah, wife right. was, was choking, choking and he, and they were like, 
help her. I know the Heimlich, and he was bartering with him. He's like bartering with him. And then when she spit it up, she's like, why did you give in to him? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, one of the cool little storylines we had uh, mentioned earlier is uh, the brother, one of the brothers convinces... um, our guy from Burn After Reading, uh, as a doctor, to uh, kind of poison the sister does. Uh, the sister, uh, his, his love interest, tries to poison her brother Dylan Baker. So he keeps yeah. literally falling apart. Every episode, every time, scene you see him, either his hair is falling worse out, and worse. his eyebrow te- fell te- off. One teeth time. are falling out. He pulls his eyebrow off, and it, w- it became this. Comedy. And at first, he didn't wasn't upset about it because he's like, "Oh, the doctor's taking care of me." Oh my god, it was so funny when David Rouch saw him at the party later on. He's like, he oh, was just, "What oh have my- I done?" <laughs> it's very conflicted with it um, but yeah I mean it, and it's just comedy ensues you know some of the best stuff in this movie uh, is when he gets drunk and he starts writing and the next day at the party they they walk the, uh, they walk the reindeer in yeah. and, and he's like I, it was cold beer it was a typo <laughs> or uh, his his uh, his girlfriend from high school comes in the yeah, cheerleader, cheerleader. <laughs> Just super excited to see him. So they really they didn't overboard you with it, but they did it at the party, which was the right moment to do that because he was, uh, or, or like because he knew he couldn't die when he wrote things the right way, like the Ferrari chase on the side of the mountain. He was he was doing stuff like he was blindfolded. He yeah. like blindfolded himself. It's funny she made him. It. Remember she made uh, the doctor the doctor do, do it, it too, and then the next day cut to him in the lake. Yeah, <laughs> crashing and everything. But uh, he, John Candy, really used it to his advantage. Not only to get the he girl, was trying to get the girl. He was get, trying to get the girl, but he was trying to really make himself look good, like with the Ferrari. I'm going well, to get the Ferrari away. Well, he jumped on the horse. Remember, and he get he was doing the like, yeah. what, what do they call it when they kick the horse back on two feet? Oh, the yeah. high what what, the Lone Ranger or something. It's the horse version of the wheelie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's like twirling his hand around, and he's like, "She's eating this up. Yeah, yeah. She's eating this up. <laughs> like she's far off." I felt bad for the horse on that scene. I was like, "God damn it, man! They got John that, Candy on a horse." No, they didn't. Well, they had him on a horse in Wagons East. That might have killed him though, <laughs> because that, that was his last thing. Uh, it's weird. Even uh, didn't uh, Chris Farley do like a horse movie towards the end of his career too? I thought he did something similar to that. Oh, the Almost Heroes. I think that was the one that he. They did. probably get him. Don't have. There are some horses out if there. If you have that, a fat man that's way over, uh, well, way there over are some don't horses have him out, do a western. There are some horses out there that can take that shit. Yeah. Oh, they easily. are. Yeah, yeah. Get him a Clydesdale. Yeah. That type of stuff. Yeah. Because they that's would, a lot of weight. They'd on shake that him thing. off like nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was really fun, man. And it, how did he get out of it? Did he hit his head again? No. So was, he, he was, he was talking. There was one really funny scene where they smashed his typewriter up. Yeah, or he and threw so, it. I think he got angry and threw it. So didn't he's he? on the phone with some remote, and you know the guy. Oh yeah, who's helping him? Little fix measly it. guy I can't with the glasses. Who it was? Yeah. But he's like. He's like, all right, but he's still being super like he's like trying to surgery. put a nuclear bomb or something. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, but don't you touch that spring to that <laughs> space plate? You hear me? <laughs> and he's like, I'm trying, I'm trying, and the spring flies off. Yeah. And in the middle of it, he's he, wiping his brow. He, yeah, yeah, he fixed it, and all of a sudden, um, what, what's his name that went to Cleveland? Oh, uh, yeah, Robert, Robert Wagner. Wagner shows back up yeah, with yeah. a shotgun, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like. I thought I sent you to Cleveland. He's like, I should kill you for that alone. Yeah, that was a great line. so he shot John Candy. Yeah. And because he died in the dream, he woke up. He woke up. (laughs) And it was great. And it was close to the end. I mean, there was only a couple minutes left to it. And basically, we kind of left out all the Meryl Hemingway stuff. Because she came in at the very beginning of the movie who was going to be in, uh, well, she was going to be in a pivotal scene. And that's what kind of got him angry with Jerry Orbach and his wife. Yeah. Uh, They were like, she was a love interest that he hadn't approved and everything. And so when he got into that world and he saw her, he was like, oh, shit, they're still writing because she's here. And uh, but there was a whole kind of subplot with her. Uh, coming in and uh, but there was a love interest kind of built up well, she was this she had the secret formula yep and they started well he John Candy ultimately wanted the other girl yeah but then remember the big scene because Fetterman was writing yeah. they found out they switched the babies at birth and Mariel Hemming was actually the really the wealthiest yeah, bitch such instead the of the other one like and soap like, opera and she turned character she went from this humble meek like to this vampy blonde yep. bombshell yep. and was like i'm a 
so-and-so now and so this is what's gonna happen (laughs) it's so funny too and then i love when he gets out of the uh the dream when he actually comes to real world and he goes off on that laura girl and everything it starts bitching her out and everything and he and she's like way taken back by how he talks to her and everything because for a while he still thought he still thinks he's in that world it was in that world and she was really terrible and it takes him a while to get out of it and everything and then he ends up kind of mariel got shot remember in the stomach yep and he was trying to write that she came through surgery okay that's when robert Wagner, Wagner showed, showed up. back up, and so he thought he couldn't save her. It's great, perfect Robert Wagner kind of cameo. And he played himself. That. Yeah, he played himself. When he first saw him, he's like, "You don't do daytime TV. What are you doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> that's when he re- realized the Fetterman guy wrote him in and everything. So it, it was clever, man. It was really, really clever. And like you said, they knew this world, and probably because of Emma Sams, who was like I said, she was on Dynasty and General Hospital for so long. But we. Everyone that, I mean, half these actors probably did a guest star on a soap opera at one point, too. It, I mean, it's done was... in a certain type of way, and it's still done that way. Every once in a while, we'll watch the news on ABC, and if you leave it on at 1 o'clock, General Hospital will uh-huh. come on. And we always know when it comes on because you hear terrible dialogue being delivered in the in, in, yeah. the, in your mind, and you're like, what the hell is this on the TV? And you're like, oh, soap operas are on. But people that have they loved them their whole formula, life, they never break of it. They follow that formula. And some big like actors go on there. novels. I think they're, they're probably terrible. Uh, what's his name uh, from Freaks and Geeks uh, went on there for like and did it for two years. Oh, uh, uh, he was me too for a little while there. Yeah, the, Franco. The kid, James Franco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went on there and he was on. I don't know if it was Days of Our Lives or something. He did a stint for like forty weeks or something like that. I was like, what the fuck? They'd probably make a bunch of money. Oh, he. They probably all make leave, a ton of never money. Never leave so. the. It's a day job. You know, it was a great movie around the same time, uh, probably 90, it might have been 92 or 93 that dealt with the soap opera, was Soap. Uh, was it Soap? Soap Dish. Soap Dish. Do you remember that? With Sally Field uh-huh. and Kevin Klein, yeah. And it was all about the the drama that happened behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And and then it carried over onto the shooting of it. It was it was a laugh ride. It was really good. Uh, the girl from Ventures and Babysitting was in it. Robert Downey Jr. was in it. He played one of the uh, young writers in it. So it was fun. If you haven't seen Soap Dish and you liked uh, Delirious, watch it out. Watch it because it's... I, I love when you're poking fun at the industry. And I mean, you have to with this type of ridiculous stuff. If, if we've realized... If we only realized the, the money that was involved with some of the most ridiculous stuff that how much it takes a normal blue collar worker to scrape together $5,000 yeah. and how some of these actors on these shows get that in like an episode. I bet that, like the Teletubbies. I bet the people in the costume. Oh God, those guys banked it. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a whole pod of somebody hanging out with the Teletubbies at a party afterwards. And that's just normal people. Says they're just in the suits for the show. And afterwards they're partying at a pool party. The problem everything. is you're per- if you're in a suit, you're replaceable. Yeah, that's for sure. Especially that. Can you bounce yeah. up and down? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> my granddaughter could do that over here. My, my <laughs> yeah. uncle's cousin's sister, my paper boy could do that. Oh, fun. Yeah, so that's delirious, man. I, it's it's always one of those movies that I was, I'm super glad when people bring up, because when you hear people talk about like their favorite John Candy movies, rarely delirious is one of the ones listed on there. Uh, I'm, I'm even surprised when people mention it, who's Harry Crumb, because that was kind of later in his career when he was just kind of being silly and being John Candy, but... I mean, such a silly movie. when we lost John Candy, I mean, these are the came, movies. When we... he came in, in Dominatrix Drag at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a case. I got a case. Well, he did that <laughs> in uh, Armed and Dangerous, too. He was great in Armed and Dangerous when him and Eugene Levy oh, were, in, right. were in drag at the uh, right. at the porn uh, right. porn store. So funny. I love John Candy, man. John Candy couldn't do wrong with me, even his, his serious roles, which were very little. JFK, JFK was great. I mean, he was in two or three scenes, and it was killed uh, it. Only the Lonely is, is, is somewhat serious with a lot of good comedy on it. Do you remember Only the Lonely? Is that the one we talked about earlier where the mother was trying to set yeah, him up? With, uh, yeah, that's Maureen O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara's mother uh, in that role. She's an old John uh, Wayne actress and everything. But uh, who was the girl? What was the girl from Breakfast Club? Ali Sheedy. Yeah. He, was I mean, he had with, like kind of mommy issues. He had mommy issues when... It, well, and she had the guilt trip. She was the perfect kind of. She, oh, yeah. she had the Gloria <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> Gloria, our grandmother. Our grandmother is was like the king of guilt trips. Oh, she. Oh, she never God. did it to me. I talked to Eric about her. <laughs> She's like, oh, you coming she, to visit me? She oh, is I literally in every way the mom from Everybody Loves Raymond. She. I never saw she it. is just 
she's kind of manipulative with a smile type of way and everything. Like she must have drove mom nuts. But she must that, have really liked me because she never did that to me. No, she, um, no, she did it to mom. She did it to her kids, basically type of thing. And, and when uh, Eric got older, it did it to Eric for, forever. That <laughs> so might explain why dad was as weird as he was. Oh yeah, well, he just had the overprotective kind of mom and type of thing. But it's. Uh, the Marino Harrow was really great because every time John Candy left the house, he, he was like, oh, I was supposed to hang out with my mom at bingo tonight, but I'm going to go on this date instead. So when he leaves the house, he has visions of his mom yeah. walking home alone and um, then falling into like an open yeah, like crate and dying. Didn't he have there was like six death scenes yeah. that Marino Harrow had to do. And uh, That's awesome. it, it was really funny. Was I loved it. It was, a, it was probably one was of my good. favorite romantic comedies because I don't like many of them. And uh, this one was a good one. James Bellucci was his partner in this. Uh, Anthony Quinn had that great role as that spicy well, he great guy. Hooks up with his mother, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that kind of frees him. Yeah, that's now. what he should have done at the beginning of the yeah. movie. Kind of hook then Anthony the Quinn, then you won't be bothered by it. Yeah. Which is why I bring my grandmother up. It probably would have been worse when my grandmother couldn't do it with that many people once Cheryl and uh, and our dad died. So it was left to kind of do it to Kenny and uh, Eric, and that's it. <laughs> Uh, I get to see her in a week. I love it because I, d- I don't get to see You're on any the outside. of that. I, I'm on the outside of that type of stuff. Uh, Eric has a siren when my grandmother calls. It's a special siren that rings on his phone. <laughs> Does she know that? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, and he lists her name as batshit crazy. <laughs> I don't know her at that at all. That's crazy. He, he, he loves her to absolute death, but he, he it's a roll the eye situation now. <laughs> I There are families that get like that. He what? talks to her every like Sunday night. I think he talks to her for like a half hour and everything, and recaps his week to her and everything. So she's happy with it. But I, I'm glad I get to go up there like she's twice, really three proud times of a year. Him getting the store together. Oh yeah, I mean she's well. 97. She's 97. Turns 98 this year and has the memory like a fucking elephant, dude. I'm telling you, it's we can only. We're, I'm glad when you see those types of genes that we have uh, uh, longevity in our uh, in our family. Even our mom's parents, they they would have lived longer. If if it was like like grandpa died of like sepsis in the or is that the thing you get in the hospital with like uh, people go in the hospital and they end up getting uh, you get an infection that they can't yeah, yeah. turn I septic. think that's what it was he would have lived he would have lived flesh. another like seven eight years if it well, wasn't they, for that what grandma told me and I, they were going off on a tangent here but what grandma, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a, what happened to grandma <laughs> he had uh, jaundice as a kid in yeah. it in, in, his liver was damaged. Oh, yeah. And they said he was 15. Oh, you're talking about Vinny? Yeah. Oh, I was talking about John, uh, mom's dad. Oh, I yeah, don't know yeah. what he had. Because, yeah, he got into the hospital and he got end up sepsis and he died way younger than he than he should have. Yeah, with grandpa, it was, he died he at was 69. 69, that's young, man. Yeah, that's, that's 19 young. years from me. He had for bad me, liver damage. He was yellow. I mean, he was well, they yellow. Told but, him, but when he they died. told him, my point was they, told, like a Simpsons they told him in his 50s, <laughs> they said, quit drinking now yeah. and you'll live to be 75, 80. Yeah. And he, didn't and he was it. like, <laughs> quit drinking. What are you talking about? That may be an actual quote from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most alcoholics, I think that's their, uh, their decision. Uh, but yeah, well, yeah, we went off a little tangent there. That's a little duper history for you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we got some good stuff coming up, though. Like I said, me and Eric are going to do the... Um, uh, the Sleepaway Camp trilogy, which was a fucking riot. I loved it. Me and Justin got several on the uh, slate. So the next couple of months is going to be packed, but we'll let you know uh, when things are going to get dropped so you can uh, watch them on Tubi first. That's why I love this whole Tubi thing because everyone can pull it up, they'll watch it, and then they can kind of join us with a pod. This, some of my pods that I listen to, they review movies there in the theater. And luckily, they review them in the last 10 minutes so I can watch, listen mm-hmm. to the majority of the pod, and then I'll stop it. Like uh, the guys I listen to on my Patreon, they just review viewed John Wick 4 and I listened all the way up until they were like all right we're gonna get into John Wick 4 and then I stopped it and I was like I'll continue it I'll go back to it once I watch John Wick 4 uh and I'll uh, and I'll see what their review is so I like it when you can actually have stuff that's all available for you out there like I said that's my problem with Quentin's pod you're not gonna find any of those movies yeah. those movies are fucking unfindable he probably he probably he laughs that. at it he I'm sure that. I'm sure he's very on happy purpose. that he does ah yeah. you couldn't find it could you <laughs> he just reviewed Steel and Steel was a movie that our dad liked with George Kennedy up at the high rise. You can always find something streaming though somewhere if you're willing Steel, to pay for. Steel's hard. If you're willing to pay for it, maybe. If you're willing to pay for uh, it, but there are some that are really difficult, really difficult. So snatch up those DVDs when you can. If you if you have movies that you like, get them I'm on. I'm buying DVD. them on YouTube right now. Yep. 
So get them I, on YouTube. Have... Get them on DVD. DVD will never let you down. Like when we have uh, internet problems, fuck, I don't give a shit. I got three thousand and twenty-four DVDs. That's my uh, my current run right now is three thousand and twenty-four. So uh, I just go outside. Well, I, I delete <laughs> some too because uh, I've got rid of what was the one I just got rid of. There was one of them that was so bad. That I had to get over. Oh, uh, it's in a stack that see if Justin wants it. That volcano movie with Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. Oh, absolute dog shit. And the I'll movie? never watch it again. The yeah. movie. Uh, like, we're Dante Peak guys. Yeah, and, there's, Peak. and there's a reason because that volcano is absolute dog shit. Yeah. It's really bad. Like, the, wait, it's got to be bad for listen, me to pay for it and, and then get rid and of it. And I love Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I usually no, he couldn't eat save anything this. up. And this was after Fugitive. He, he was ripe for this type of role, but no, he, he couldn't save this. Yeah, couldn't save it all. Sorry. <laughs> but that's my little rant so like I said we got a lot of stuff coming up next week if you want to leave us a like or a comment we'd super appreciate it you could also uh, shoot us an email fascinatedfilms at gmail.com or you can visit on fa- Facebook which are, is our main social network where we uh, put the posters up and you can communicate with me and Justin we'll definitely get back to you if you do that you can come to Paul's house or you can come Middle right night. to my house address is oh wait uh, <laughs> uh, we'll watch movies I mean, we'll have a blast man <laughs> so uh, until next week See you. Bye. The bartender needs more cold deer. Not deer. Fear. It's a typo. Use your head for Christ's sake.